Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to today's show. It is Sunday, March 6th. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in beautiful Bend, Oregon this morning, sisters. It is gorgeous outside. But, of course, I have to leave in an hour to fly home to go back to work. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to tell you all about my delightful weekend here in Bend. Leanne Dolan, you're back in Pasadena from Austin. I had three fantastic nights in Austin, Texas. Thanks to all the Satellite Sisterhood that showed up at our Austin meetup. I'm going to tell you all about it, tell you all about Austin, and then tell you (laughs) about some just egregious behavior I saw at an airport. Wow. How not to curry favor with the airport personnel. (laughs) So, but just great meetup in Austin. Really fun. I love stories like that. And Julie Dolan, Dallas, Texas, what is going on there? Well, I have an excellent first ladies report for, for everyone today. And as well, I want to report on sort of a new disorder. It's called the Downton Abbey Abandonment Disorder. That's dad, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I know I'm suffering for, from it, and I imagine that others are too, and I'm, we're going to talk about it. Thank okay. you, Julie. We need to talk about this. We need to yeah. share. We need to share. We need to share and be together at a moment like this. <laughs> we do. We do. That, that's going to be important. So that's coming right up. But first, there was breaking news this morning that Nancy Reagan passed away. Yes, she died at the age of 94. Um, and, uh, you know, she really was a remarkable first lady uh, that, you know, when you think back about um, all that she did, I mean, she had her own career as an act, um, actress before before she became first lady. Um, and while, you know, many of the programs that she was involved in, you know, she was one of the first to support AIDS research and to come out in favor of doing more to take care of AIDS patients. And that, you know, it doesn't seem controversial to us now, but, uh, you know, during the 80s, that was really a big deal. She, of course, is credited with the much, you know, sort of mocked and maligned just say no to drugs um, uh, program campaign. It always always gets a laugh. I know it does. I know it does. But yet, she was trying to address something that was really such a scourge of, you know, of our society then and it still is now. So, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's not an easy role, as we've talked about many times on Satellite Sisters, to be the first lady um, because of that. And she, you know, she was she also tried to bring a great deal of Hollywood glamour to the White House. And some of that was very successful and uh, again, other stuff was criticized. I, you know, when she had, she bought expensive china, or she was wearing. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I went sex? as I went as that china set one year for Halloween. I, I remember that, Leanne. That was, I was you brought it edgy, up. I, edgy political statement. Yeah, it went for a junior in high school. Yeah, yeah, it was didn't. Yes. They was made me leave. You know, it's Connecticut. They right, right. I mean, but and she was. You know, they. You know, she she, she was. You know, everyone talked about the Nancy Reagan stare that she would stand behind uh, President Ronald Reagan and she, you know, would have sort of an emotionless look on her face. But yet when you think about sort of the, uh, you know, uh, for me, I think about the amount of humanity I saw on her face at the funeral of Ronald Reagan when, you know, no matter despite all that, you know, her, her wealth and the power and the resources that she had available to her as first lady and as a wealthy woman, 
she couldn't escape the pain of taking care of someone with Alzheimer's, you know, and she spoke out really in support, uh, in support of Alzheimer's on many occasions. And she, after the death of Ronald Reagan, really, you know, was one of the key figures in leading the campaign um, to get sort of a revised policy on stem cell research because she believed that it held, you know, the answers to finding a cure to Alzheimer's. So, you know, in many ways, you know, so she was, she was a full, a, a full first lady. She was, you know, complicated and she was, you know, did wonderful things. She did other things that, you know, maybe uh, were, were criticized. Um, but I just remember in my mind, I will always think of her at, at Ronald Reagan's funeral and just, you know, how much love she had for her husband and, and, you know, how much pain she had been through in the 10 years since they, announced that um that Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's and the care that she must have provided to him. So I say to Nancy Reagan, rest in peace today and you did a fine job as first lady. Always sticking up for the first ladies, Julie. You're I right. Am. I You're am. right. It is a tough gig. It is yes. a tough gig. But when I this week I was thinking a lot about her famous gaze during the moments where it's like she she could give Chris Christie some lessons. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'll just say that about how to stand behind your man uh, and look like you're paying attention and just full of love. You know, I was at the lady, the Johnson LBJ library this week, and I'll tell you more about that. But there was a remarkable photo I noted yesterday. They had, you know, photos, family photos of hers. Lady Bird Johnson actually had a real working office in that LBJ library in Austin. That's where she went every day. She was, uh, she basically made that happen. Speaking of first ladies, standing behind their man, but it was of six first ladies. It was Nancy Reagan, Betty Ford, Rosalind Carter, Barbara Bush, Lady Bird Johnson, and Pat Nixon all together. I was like, when was that? That must, what, do they have reunions? Good for them. I don't know. It didn't say when it happened, but it was really remarkable to see those six women. Because as you said, Julie, they have individual stories. You know, it's, yeah, they, it's, really do, they have individual stories and real lives happening behind the scenes. And all of those women are complicated. You know, all of those women I just mentioned. They have full lives, real histories. Yep. So, and we support them all. That's what I want to say. So, okay. So, okay. <laughs> so just to enroll Melania Trump in that school right I now. Didn't not, let's keep it clean. I wasn't going to say anything. Save keep it clean. Okay. I'm not going to say anything because she is doing a bang up job on those interviews. I'm just telling you that Slovenian supermodel. They're trying to bring her down. They're trying to say mean things about her husband. And and she's not falling for it no. because she is tough. And I and you just know she is. So that I'm just saying that. Let, let's. You know, Julie, I'm putting the, officially putting this all under a category that I'm branding right here, right now, just called Isabel Feel My Heart. Uh, because, you know, our mom, uh, whenever something really crazy would happen in the news, she would say, Isabel Feel My Heart. And... I don't even know where that came from. It was like some neighbor they had growing up, some like old lady down the street that used to say that or something. Do you even recall yes. the provenance of Isabel Feel My Heart? I thought it was one of mom's, you know, our our grandmother's relatives that okay. she had a heart condition. And anytime there would be big, you know, exciting news, she would say to her sister, Isabel, feel my heart, you know. Okay. And so... 
Her sister would stick her hand in the shirt to feel the heart. So that's my new code for things that happen in the news where I don't know quite what to say about it, but we have to say something. We can just say to each other, Isabel, feel my heart. Okay. That's a good one, Liz. I think almost anything that has to do with Melania Trump, for me, might be in the Isabel, feel my heart category. Uh, Okay, moving on. The, so I'm here in Bend, Oregon. You know you're in Bend, Oregon when you open the local paper, which is called The Source, and you see a notice for something they call March Mudness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's all about the sports up here. It's all about the endurance sports and all kinds of things. So this is some kind of mud race. There's a very muddy photo. The other headline just says, play dirty with your friends. Very muddy photo of this mud race that takes place March 20th. So, uh, so yeah, March Mudness. Um, that looks like that's going to be a big event. I will not be here for that, but I was here for the weekend for a conference here that's called the Muse Conference, the Muse Women's Conference, Voices, Stories, Conversations. And it's organized by a local woman named Amanda Sturmer, who, by the way, Julie, is originally from New Orleans. So she has that nice New Orleans lilt in her voice. But she lives here in Bend, has been here for a while, but she just decided, uh, I think it's about four years old now, to put together a women's conference that would bring in like inspirational speakers from outside the local community, but also highlight people who are in the local community and to make it particularly a connection point between girls and women so that the teenage girls in this community would hear the voices, be part of the conversations and uh, share in some of the stories of women that they may or may not know. So uh, because we're sort of regulars here in Bend, Oregon, and our niece, Fiona Dolan, uh, lives here full time in Bend, Oregon, Fiona and I got invited to speak together uh, on the stage at the Muse Conference. So I came up on Friday, we did the thing yesterday, and I'm going home today. But I got to say, the conference was really, really a lovely thing, you know, that there were just all kinds of stories being shared from the stage. Like in the morning, for instance, uh, yesterday, there was a whole session that was just uh, women who are in unconventional jobs for women. So one of them is the the chief beer maker. I know a brewmaster, I think. Yeah, I, there you go. Yeah, brewmaster mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for Deschutes Brewery here in, oh, uh, wow. here in Bend. It's a big so job. That, that is a, a big job. Yeah, it's a big beer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so she talked about her professional experience. Then there's a woman who lives in Sisters, Oregon, who's like the town just up the road, that she's a hat maker, like a felt, basically cowboy hats or whatever. That also, apparently a very male-dominated business, not surprising. But so she talked about being a hat maker. And then there was another woman on the stage who was a firefighter. And like the leader of a battalion here. So that was really just interesting. And in each case, rather than have people stand up and give speeches, most of them were designed as conversations with a moderator. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. It is. The conversation, it takes just the stress out of it for everybody. And yeah, yeah, I know. I like being part of either side of that, being the moderator or answering the questions. Yeah. 
yeah, I totally agree. So they were they were all really really interesting and and they were fun to listen to because you know you're in a room as they kept saying there's a very safe space you know it's girls and women all gathered together. There were some men there, including our brother Dick Dolan. All right, <laughs> we're going to shout out later on to Dick, uh, but the. Um, it was a very so people could really talk about you know their strengths, their weaknesses, their failures, how they sort of pick themselves up and start again. So that was a really interesting one. Then there was a fascinating woman named where did I write this down? Kyle Ann, what is her last name? Hold on, Kyle Ann Hunter, and she was a Cobra helicopter, like attack helicopter. Uh, pilot in uh, in Iraq, three That's tours impressive. of duty, three tours of duty with the Marine Corps in Iraq, and then she came back to the U.S. and was a Marine Corps liaison to the House of Representatives. And oh uh, wow, yeah, and now she lives in Bend, Oregon. Oh wow, you know, it's crazy the people that turn up here. It's why it's why this is sort of a fun town. Uh, anyway. you wouldn't think that they would be able to attract that many sort of high-powered people to Bend, Oregon, but apparently people want to come there. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm building up to the headliner. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So anyway, Kylan, she was really interesting, interesting talking about her work on the Hill, Uh, you know, in particular, she spent extra time talking about how she dealt with the female members of the House of Representatives as opposed to just the the usual um, suspects, And, uh, and that was interesting. So she was, and she also talked about what she called the hyper masculinity of the Marine Corps, which not surprisingly, <laughs> I mean, that's, oh, yeah, that's not. If a you shock. were looking for hyper masculinity, I would go to the Marine Corps, Liz. That that, yeah. That's exactly what she said. But what was and and she flourished in the Marine Corps, so it's not like that was a problem for her. It was just then she just made an observation that after her third tour of duty in Iraq, she had started to become a person that she didn't like just mm-hmm. because she had taken on all these more like aggressive modes of dealing with people that she didn't think really were her. So it was interesting to hear her share a little bit about that, like how, how you can be so successful as an attack helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps, um, but also have to develop this other side of your personality that isn't necessarily being rewarded or even noticed. So I, even though, you know, the hyper-masculinity of the, being an attack helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps is a little bit more out there than, say, those of us who are just operating in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. If you step it down a couple of levels, <laughs> it's still kind of a similar challenge. So, um, so that was really interesting. There were there were quite a few women who were in healing practices. You know, there was a woman who did a who started a a yoga practice that was just for people in twelve step programs, okay. and how yoga can help extend um their recovery and uh and so that was very interesting so it was it was all over the board and uh and so then when it was time for fiona and i uh we had a moderator so and she was really great a woman named shelly a local woman and uh so it was just Fiona and I on stage, I posted a couple of photos of this in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, just talking, we were talking specifically about You're the Best, about the book, but also about why we wrote it, what friendship means to us, 
uh, what Satellite Sisters has been all about all these years. There are a couple of photos that I haven't posted yet, but I'll post for you guys. We had kind of a little mini slideshow going behind us of photos of all of us together. So you'll see pictures of yourself on stage. Oh. <laughs> and uh, who, put, who put that together? Well, I did. All right, Liz. Uh, all right. No, Liz. <laughs> Multimedia Liz. Wow. Okay. I mean, you've been busy. Just, I just sent them to Shelly. Okay. Um, Shelly Shelley took responsible for the actual uh, AV. Okay. And there were – and Fiona had selected some uh, pictures of her own. But what was so fascinating for me, for those of you who have listened to – the podcast that is our live Brooklyn show when we premiered You're the Best at Powerhouse Arena. Um, you heard Fiona present one of the essays, the essay she has in the book, which is what my friends taught me at 15. And I was incredibly impressed in the moment in Brooklyn and then listening back to that podcast, like how poised she is. Yeah. Uh, and I was struck with the same thing uh, on stage yesterday. She was really, really nervous backstage, or that's what she kept telling me. She didn't look nervous. She's like, I'm, Liz, I'm so nervous. I was mm-hmm. like, it's going to be easy. You're good. You've done this before. It's just us talking about being us. Like, nobody knows more about that than us. That's, that's no one's going to challenge you on that topic, yeah. right? Yeah, right. And it's your mom and dad out in the audience. It's good. It's good. Um, but she is, uh, again, she just did an incredibly great job. And she was asked a lot about, she has started an empowerment club at her high school here in Bend. And it's girls and boys, but more girls than boys. And it's just about sort of being their best selves and being involved in the community and things further away. Anyway, I was just like looking at her thinking, my God, like at 16, I just felt like I was a wreck. (laughs) You know? I mean, 16 is really like one of the hardest points in your life, I think. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, she is just a, such a lovely, poised, thoughtful, you know, kind, smart person. I was more amazed sitting on the stage listening to Fiona than I was anything else going on. So, um, <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. So that was, that was really, really a lot of fun. But then the highlight of the day, the, uh, the final speaker, who I had mentioned in previous shows, is Dr. Sharon Abadi. That is Nobel Peace Prize winner, Dr. Sharon Abadi. So she's the Iranian human rights lawyer. I know you guys, we've talked mm-hmm. about her before on Satellite Systems. Right. And she was really amazing. Uh, and amazing was the word of the day. I, like, I wish I could think of other words to use to describe. Everything was amazing. But uh, she is in the United States right now because she has a new book out called Until We Are Free. And it's about her work in human rights in Iran. And I have not read the book, but I was looking at the cover online today. It's a beautiful cover of a, uh, a bird flying out of a cage. And uh, she was really like very thoughtful. She spoke in Farsi and had a translator there. And it was a woman who she had gone to law school with in Iran. And they talked a little bit about how that was back in the day before the Islamic Revolution. And so when women could go to law school and she was – she served as the leading judge in all of Iran before the revolution. Oh, and then okay. after the revolution, they made her a clerk. 
Right. So that that's what happened to Sheer Nabadi, mm-hmm. but her, her colleague, the woman who was translating for her after she had gotten out of law school and practiced a little bit, she moved to the United States. So it was and so her life has obviously been very different than Dr. Abadi's, who chose to stay in Iran. But she, um, this is my favorite part, because I think sometimes you look at people and you think, wow, if I could just work a little harder or care more or something, <laughs> you know, that you could like work yourself up to that level. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, 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 and with someone like Sharon Abadi, I think she's such a, such a level above the rest of us that I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I always felt about there are certain athletes that when you're around them, having worked around a lot of people like, you know, Michael Jordan or Jackie Joyner Kersey, you you know, you could practice all day, every day for the rest of your life (laughs) and you're still not going to have the gear that they have, right? You're just, Mm -hmm. it's not, yes, you should be working hard, but then there's this other whole level. And uh, the, I really felt, that from her when they started asking her about what it um, what it really felt like to get the Nobel Peace Prize, and she said she said, "Well, I had gotten other prizes before, so I thought I might get this one." <laughs> like, so it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. I don't think any of us wake up in the morning thinking, "Yeah, I, I'm probably in line." Yeah, got a good shot. Yeah, yeah, got a good shot. Even <laughs> even more than that, Julie, she said. I had actually in my head already written my speech. Oh, wow. And, and then she said, and in my speech, I thought that if I ever got this, it would be when I was an old lady. And I was going to have a grandson who would walk me up to the stage. And then I would give my speech. And in my speech, I would talk about how my father was a lawyer. I am a lawyer. And now my grandson is a lawyer. Oh. And, but she said, I got this the award so much earlier in my life that I don't even have a grandson yet. (laughs) So, so I had to go back and rewrite my speech, uh, which I thought was really lovely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah. But then she was talking about everything that's gone on in her life. And this is the sort of gear that she has that I don't think an average person has, you know, everything that she's gone through. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it. She has an op-ed in the New York times this weekend, which is just so chilling. But she said, she said, you know, I love my family, but I love justice more. Hmm. Yeah. And I love my house and my possessions, but I love justice more. Hmm. And when you look at what she's gone through in her life, you can see that. And most recently in this piece she wrote this weekend in the New York Times, which is just this incredibly chilling and heartbreaking uh, story about how the Iranian officials sort of framed her husband. Um, it was and for adultery, you know, and he's kind of, and he fell for it, and they had the whole thing on film. So they. Um, they charged her husband with adultery. Uh, he had a trial that last, lasted 20 minutes. He was sentenced to death by stoning, uh, which is supposed to happen within 48 hours. And then they went to him and they said, we will not punish you. Uh, we will not kill you um, if you denounce your wife publicly uh, and if you agree 
to sign a certificate of temporary marriage that this woman you were having um, sex with, that you were actually temporarily married to her five years ago. It's some Iranian law thing that I'm not going to explain to you. You should read the piece in the Times. But anyway, if you can imagine the heartbreak of it, and she was in the United States when this happened. If you can imagine the heartbreak of your husband calling you, you know, from in Iran and telling you, okay, he betrayed you. Uh, so that's the first blow. And then you have the entire state apparatus there plotting to use that to humiliate you, which is uh, another terrible step. And then as part of your the humiliation and heartbreak of that, he has to not just denounce you, but renounce your marriage. Holy okay. cow. It's like, it was really, it's really shocking when you read it. And that's why when she said, you know, I love my family, but I love justice more. It was sort of in the context of that. They've done everything they could to take away my ability to speak out. Mm -hmm. They have taken all my possessions. They have, you know, framed my husband for this terrible crime, uh, forced my husband to denounce me, you know. And yet here I am still on the stage. Uh, and she said she had to explain to her daughters when this whole thing happened with her husband, what was happening. And she said, I needed to explain it in the context of really human rights and war crimes, because this is all about the abuse of the vulnerable by those who have power. Mm -hmm. uh, so is quite a, like a dramatic, the combination of her comments yesterday and the reading her piece in the paper, you know, it was really thoughtful and dramatic and fascinating. And I was thinking for all the women in the room yesterday, but particularly for the, the young, young women. women. Yeah. You know, so much of this conference is targeted at sort of, you know, giving them the tools they need to really go out in the world to hear, to be in a room with someone as impressive as Sharon Abadi and someone who's put everything on the line to stand up for the principles that she believes in. You know, I hope it's a pretty memorable, it's certainly memorable for me, but I'm old, uh, but memorable for, you know, some of the younger yeah. women in the room. Oh, can I just say one thing about being old? This is hilarious, you guys. So in the paper, in the source I mentioned, uh, that's the local paper, they wrote a whole article about um, the conference and about Dr. Abadi, and they also mentioned Fiona's appearance. And oh, they said, okay, I got to find this because I laughed out loud when I read it. They, they referred to her participation in the Satellite Sisters in our book as working with her elders. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we are oh. referred to as Fiona's as... elders. <laughs> what? <laughs> the... So well, we are, we are. I, I know technically we are older. Yeah, well, we really, just, well, we we just never aspire to being to be elders. That's yeah. right. But that's there's a that's difference. Right. I don't know technically what the difference is between older and elder, <laughs> but still, it sure feels a lot different. Well, right. elder also implies you're like sitting around in a room, you know, you know, wearing black clothes, yeah, drinking and aquavit, and yeah. you know, <laughs> expounding on the universe. So, yes, I, yes, I think in this context, it is meant to indicate wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's what I'm going with. They could have just gone with aunts. That also would have been correct. <laughs> <laughs> that would have actually been correct. So all of her elders working with us, her Ooh. elders. Anyway, so um, 
So, so sheer in a body, like hands down. It was, it was winner. Just, yeah, <laughs> we can see has the right stuff. She really has the right know, Liz, stuff. I got to go back to the elder comments. So I'm just sitting here so stewing. I mean, if you're not, we're not Fiona's grandparents. No, well, they would be elders. Yeah. Okay. We're just her aunts. aunts. Okay, Okay, Julie. Well, the source, part of the reason I read this weekly newspaper whenever I come to Bend is their letters to the editor are insane. You know, all letters to the editor and the source are just crazy. Or let's say on issues that somebody feels very intensely about that, but I did not really realize were the hot topics of the day. Uh, For instance, one of the ones I was reading today was about um, how the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife's cougar population Mm -hmm. estimate is unfounded and overblown, okay? That's a big (laughs) issue in in today's paper. But maybe you could write in uh, about, yes, the use of the word elder. (laughs) We're not her grandparents. I mean, that, right? We're just... We're just one generation up. We're not two generations up. I know. Okay. Yeah, exactly. We're the same age as her parents. Are her parents her elders? Maybe they are too. I don't know. Anyway, it was a lovely, lovely day. And uh, and then, so I did have a chance to introduce myself to um, Sheer and Abadi uh, afterwards, which was just really like a... A highlight. I yeah, mean, someone I like bet. that, the fact that they exist in the world, that they can carry on with their work despite all of the things uh, a power structure is doing to prevent them from being heard and prevent them from speaking out. It was really, really a highlight of um, of the year for me, for sure. So, oh, that's great, uh, Liz. That's great. Oh, and then, okay, last super highlight. Hold on. Let me just – I'm going to call this up. Um you know, we had mentioned this Muse conference uh, several times on the show. We did not have a lot of information about who the speakers were other than us, so it was hard to promote it. Uh, but the uh, but we did have some Satellite Sisters turn up. So hang on. I think I posted the photo. I'm going on to the, our Facebook group because the uh, – all right. Hang on here. Okay, Satellite Sisters Facebook group. This, Sorry, this is I, excellent. Yeah, this is good. Excellent video. Fascinating. I just want to make sure I can... super duper. <laughs> I just want. Hang on, hang on. Okay, forget it. I just wanted to make sure. I I definitely had that photo posted. Oh, here we go. Okay, Carolyn Peterson. I wanted to make sure. This is a special shout out to Carolyn Peterson. She drove up from Sacramento with her family to attend this event because she heard us talking about it on the air. She has the, she drove up with her wife and their teenage daughter. And so I was really happy to meet all of them. I got a picture of Carolyn and uh, me at the party afterwards. So posted that. So and she said, because she had a daughter Fiona's age, or a little older than Fiona, there I was asking her about the day, and she just thought it was incredibly powerful for her daughter too, and that it's the kind of thing that they would make a point to come to every year. Oh, so, neat. that's really good. Yeah. And Carolyn, way to go for going the distance. Going, going the distance, I know. Mm-hmm. At first I felt bad because Fiona and I were only on stage for 20 minutes, but then I realized like it was a rich, full day of things that they all got a lot about, got a lot from. So... Um, 
um, I shouldn't have been so self-centered on that. <laughs> anyway, so, so thank you, Carolyn, for coming and for the organizers of the conference. Um, really, really a very special thing for the women and girls in this community uh, to have this in a small town like Bend. All right, Liz, uh, excellent report. Well, I I was in Austin uh, this week. No Nobel laureates, but plenty of tacos. So also equally as important. I had never been to Austin, Texas. Now, Julie, I know you've been there, right? Yes, I live in this fine state, and I knew you loved it, didn't you? Leah? I did. I knew, it's a great I city. Knew you were gonna, I knew you were going to love it. It's yeah. your kind of place. Yeah. It, it, it is my kind of place. I went, I tagged along with my husband who had a conference there, and um, and I don't you, normally do this, but I figured, well, Colin's a senior in high school. He's 18. He's into college. Okay, he can be home alone for a couple of mornings. And you know what? He made it to school one out of two days, so pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh Unbelievable. Could okay. not believe it. Oops. <laughs> I could, could not believe We'll talk it. about that on the Tuesday podcast. Cannot later. be trusted. Uh, so, but we arrived Wednesday night. It was unbelievably warm in Austin. I just am, I'm now just going places where it's just hot, hot, hot. But what a fantastic city. It surprised me how big it was. I don't know why. I mean, it is the capital of Texas, and I had to keep saying that. Right, it's the capital of Texas. Texas is a big state. Like, I thought it was just, I mean, it's a million people that live there. There are a lot of big buildings. That capital building is gigantic. Gigantic. Mm-hmm. We were staying right downtown. I want to, you know, special thank uh, Betsy Walling Furler and her son, Henry Furler, who organized our Satellite Sisters meetup. They picked a great spot called Bangers, which was on the very cool rainy street. And um, it was kind of a big outdoor beer garden with sausages. And it was Thursday night, so there was live music. But in Austin, it can be Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. and there's live music no matter where you are. So we actually had a fantastic showing considering it was Austin, Texas. And I thought it was going to be me, Betsy, Henry, and the poodle, uh, Scout, the service dog. And that would have been fine. (laughs) But more people showed up. So uh, shout out to Cindy, who came probably the furthest. She came from Martha's Vineyard for the event. Uh, Wow. No way. Really? Did did she have other business in Austin, Texas? Even better than business, she has a sister that lives in Austin and another sister that lives, I forget where, in the Midwest somewhere, I think. Virginia. Virginia, Lives in Virginia or Maryland, one of those. That part of the Midwest. Yeah. Sorry, Liz. You know how it is. The people, they come in. West Coast girls are bad. Okay, go ahead. They announce, well, it's just, they were from, they had a lot of places. They, They grew up in Palo Alto and then they had all spread out. So at least I got that right julie and one sister lives in austin one in the mid-atlantic and one on martha's vineyard so cindy was there uh aaron came she's been listening to the show for a long time julie michelle showed up with her husband who i believe his name was jim uh he was a very nice guy michelle said she has been listening to the show since uh for 10 years she lived in santa monica since the kcrw days and she said I just remember this one story when Julie's friend came on the air and she had lost her dog and she went to a dog psychic and the dog psychic told her to spread her pee all over the Santa Monica and she would find the dog. And that's what happened. 
Can you believe yes. she remembered that story? It's a classic. That story. is what we told that on probably the second or third show we ever did. I could not believe she goes, that's when I was hooked. I turned it on. I heard that story. I thought, what is this show? So Michelle, excellent recall. So I had Cindy, Michelle, Kelly was there and her Kelly's husband is an airline pilot. And so they've just re resettled to Austin. So somehow he works out of Washington, DC, but she lives in Austin, Texas. That sounds People like a do good, what they need to do because she loves it there. And it was a fantastic evening. At one point, my husband showed up, which it was a gamble. We didn't know if he was going to come. He had a presentation, but we just had a fantastic time. Great beer, great sausages, really fun to see the Satellite Sisterhood, excellent place. And then the music started, and that was fantastic. So it was really a fun night. Many thanks to Betsy Wallingfurler for setting it up and making it happen. Really fun. And then, um, and then we just spent the rest of the time, you know, doing everything everyone told us to do that night it's at the Satellite Sisters event. Like, we went to the Magnolia Cafe. We were told to eat there. It was delicious. You know, we went to Lambert's Barbecue. We went to, we happened upon Kirby Lane Cafe. And if you're from Austin, you'll know that place. It's a famous breakfast place near UT. Uh, Julie, we went to the Wildflower Center, the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center. Spectacular. That was good, wasn't yeah, it? I told beautiful. you. Beautiful. Were the blue bonnets out, Leon? The not state quite. Flower, Texas? Not, not quite. quite. Okay. There weren't actually okay. a lot of wildflowers out, but that's okay. <laughs> it gives you a feel of the Texas hill country. As you drive out, they, I don't know how long ago you were there, but they seem to have done some rebuilding and remodeling and adding new centers. And, and we got out of the car and I happened to have like a, a college backpack on, a Pomona college backpack. And don't you know, at the docent there, her kids both went to Pomona. Her husband's on the board of trustees. We got basically a private tour. So it was fantastic. <laughs> What are the chances? What are the chances? (laughs) And and then, of course, we listen to a lot of music and just everywhere you go, someone is playing a guitar and singing. It's it's the most unbelievable thing. So it's it's, the live music capital of the world, Lynn. And I know that, but you don't know how that's actually going to translate, Julie. You know what I mean? But it is like what I liked for old people. It's good. The elders like us. they have like we went to one place because a guy, a singer songwriter I like was playing at four PM, like four in the afternoon. <laughs> you can go hear live music on a Wednesday by James McMurray. That would be good. That's, That's kind good. of my time slot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have to wait till ten PM till the band starts. You can have a perfectly fine live music experience at four in the afternoon, Liz. That's what I'm saying. And here are a couple more things I like. Just avocados on everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't care what you order. There's an avocado on it. It's, I love it. The taco is just a whole different species there. Uh, yes, it, it's, I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's an art form in Texas. It, it's mm-hmm. an art form and it's also iconography. Like people have taco t-shirts on, there are taco bumper stickers, there are taco Twitter feeds, like just everything is about the taco. Like I thought we talked a lot about tacos in Southern California. Southern California, because we do. But the taco in Austin is king. That was incredible. Uh, And here's the other thing I absolutely loved. Because, you know, Austin has, it's laid back. You know, we've got the man buns and the hipsters and everyone has the beard and the ironic taco t-shirt on. And that's all happening. Unbelievably great service. And (laughs) you know how I feel about that. That's important to you. Like, I love Ben so much. And you go there and it's hippie and it's groovy and it's great. And the service is like... It's, it's just, Terrible. it's debilitating. You don't even want to eat out in restaurants. It's, and you get so true. worked up about it. 
It's yes, true. I mean, it's, it's Texas. People work in Texas. We're oh, my alert. gosh. We're alive in yeah. Texas. This yeah. is like New Orleans-level service. Like, no matter where we went, restaurants were humming. Coffee shops were humming. You know, bars were humming. I just loved it. I was like, this is fantastic. I didn't even anticipate this. So it was absolutely great. Uh, then, let's see, Saturday, the last day, we did go to the LBJ Library at the University of Texas. So we had our rental car. We drove around. We ran up and down the river. I never made it to yoga class, but we tried to do all the activities, tons of walking, music, eating, everything like that. And so we saved the LBJ library for Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning before we headed to the airport. And unfortunately it was explore UT day. So we got there. There were thousands and thousands of Texas school children there. So great. I mean, you want to show them UT and give those elementary and middle school kids something to work towards, but they literally like swarmed us as soon as we got in the library because it was free and just thousands of them. And they were there picking up the telephone and you, you could pick up the telephones and you know how LBJ recorded all of his phone calls. Like it's an amazing library. It is a great piece of history and it has amazing live, you know, recordings of LBJ from the Oval Office, but they're like picking up the telephones and slamming them down and picking them up and slamming them down. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> That's exactly what you would do if you were a kid there. But Liz, it was like Martin Luther King on the other end of the line, you know, <laughs> or like, there's a call. You can hear a call. It just breaks your heart that he called Jackie Kennedy from the Oval Office, you know, the day after the assassination. Like, or to hear him reassuring Martin Luther King, okay, I'm on your side. We're going to do this the day after he takes office. I mean, it's extraordinary, some of the material. But not when it's like, bam, bam. <laughs> I was going to go. I thought I was so you need to, it. it sounds like you're going to need to come back. I'm going to need to come back. Because that, I just, I didn't, we didn't understand what was happening until like thousands of school children came running at us. But a super fun time in Austin. I can see why people love living there. It must be a great place to have to go frequently for business. I talked to a, a flight attendant in line at the, the Salt Lake barbecue stand at the airport, and she said it's her favorite layover spot, you know, because they have great music and great food. Just a really fun city. Really fun city. Loved it. Good report, Leon. Glad you had a good time. All right. Oh, I have to tell you about the airport. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Oh, wait. I wanted to, because you gave the report on the Austin meetup. Yeah. I wanted to set our next meetup city and date and location. So we're keeping it up, sisters. The the next gen in Washington, D.C., that would be Mary, Pat, Kate, and I'm sorry. Is it Lauren? Is it? Oh, my God. I wrote this down wrong. Um, Anyway. Let me start this again. Someone was asking, like, you know, what happens during the production of the thing? And um, I was trying to explain, like, we're sitting in front of our computers. Our desks get very busy. Even if we've written something down, we don't have easy access to the information. So that's why sometimes we get the names wrong, basically, or we can't remember names. I try to double check and get all the names right. Oh, it's Lindsay. Okay. It's Mary, Pat, Kate, and Lindsay. They did all of the footwork on this. So here's the deal. On the uh, uh, on April 8th, right? Is that – let me just make sure I get the actual date correct. I had this all written down on another piece of paper. Don't know where that went. Huh. Um, you got to find that other gear, Liz. <laughs> I do. I've just <laughs> lost, lost that other gear. Yes. Friday, April 8th in Washington, D.C., we are going to meet at a place called Slipstream. 
uh, Slipstream. And this is Mary Pat, Lindsay, and Kate went out and did a lot of scouting around. Slipstream is a coffee and craft cocktail bar. So something for everyone. Every year, no matter where you want to go, beverage-wise, coffee and craft cocktail bar at 14th and Rhode Island. And we are going to be meeting there from 6 to 8 p.m. on uh, Friday, April 8th. They uh, have made a reservation at the place, at Slipstream, so you'll be able to find us. And they also, Mary Pat this morning, already created an invite in the Facebook group. So if you haven't already joined the Facebook group, it's a good reason to do that. And if you can RSVP, if you think you're going to make it, it would be good for us just so that we can manage it with the restaurant and make sure we have enough room for people. So there you go. Uh, The next thing was Slipstream. And I noted also on Facebook that, you know, we're getting into another gift season, right? We have Mother's Day coming up. We have graduations coming up. So anyone who, if you want to bring any of your copies of You're the Best that you're getting for the spring gift season, I'm happy to assign any books. So so there you have it. Slipstream, Friday, April 8th, 6 to 8. Um, we'll be there. Please join us. Sounds, sounds fun. I like the name of that um, restaurant bar. Sounds yep. good. Yeah. And okay. you can see what we're trying to do. It's not like we're excluding other cities because someone, once I posted about Austin, people said, how about this city? How about this city? It, like if we have it at this point, this is sort of all on us. So if we have an opportunity to go to a different city and it works out with our schedule, we try to do some stuff. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Sisters, yes, yeah. that's fair to say. It's, yeah. <laughs> basically, no one's paying for us to fly. <laughs> I'm just saying. So it's sort of on us, and we love to do it when it's possible for us. But it's not like we don't want to go to Chicago or we don't want to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was invited to Manchester, England for the summer. Uh, but if if it's not really on our on our travel schedule, it might not happen. Uh, all right. Speaking of travel schedules, yesterday we're at the airport. We're there surprisingly early again because of the thousands of Texas school children at the University of Texas. We just headed to the airport. It's a and very nice little airport. It's a lovely airport. Us? Yes, it is. Good it's much food there. Yeah. Yep. Again, yep. live music at the airport, like on a Saturday afternoon. No, of course. Oh, yeah. Liz, no. Yeah, like all the time, bands playing at the airport. It, it, Liz, it's unbelievable. I mean, everywhere you go. So it wasn't even South by Southwest. That's next week. So, but they're gearing up. But so we're at JetBlue. There's just one gate at JetBlue. So the flight before us is JFK. And Barrick and I are sitting there. And all of a sudden, this woman comes like screaming down the concourse. The gate, the doors have just shut for JetBlue, JFK. Uh, so, and she, that's her flight. And oh. she starts, she is hysterical at the counter. Please, 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 please open the door. Please, please open the door. So she's making a scene. So of course I have to look. I've got nothing else to do. I'm just sitting in an airport. And that flight, that person at the counter, they're just again, I'm sorry, we can't open the door. You are going to have to calm down. You, she's so calm. You are just going to have to calm down. She made the woman sit down and breathe deeply and count to 10 and like, <laughs> But then sounds like what was going on at the Muse conference yesterday. Healing, healing, <laughs> healing. It was but here's the kicker. First of all, the woman is wearing literally yoga clothes. Like, have you noticed that traveling now? That younger mm-hmm. women, they're wearing like actual yoga pants, like, you know, just to the knee, and she had like a yoga top on. I was like, <laughs> You're going to JFK in March. <laughs> 
Like, it's going to be a little nippy. In that the whole get up. Yeah. I don't. Did you just come from yoga class? Like maybe it was like a hot yoga class. And I, she just feels like she's, she's got her temperature up. It's going to last in New York City. Well, she was breathing deep. Yeah. And then, but this was, this is the best part. Bear goes over and goes, does she have a glass of wine in her hand? And she, okay. <laughs> this woman had, yeah, she oh. had a glass of wine. On a, with a, a glass, a stemmed wine glass. <laughs> and then sticking out of her Tory Burch carry-on bag now is an open bottle of wine. So, okay, this woman is officially a hot mess. She's a say? hot mess. And then she comes and like, clearly like they're rescheduling her. They're, no, they're not going to open the door for you because you're in yoga clothes and you have like a full glass of white wine <laughs> at the counter. Have you ever? I've never seen that. No. I have never seen that. Plus, she you can't get wine through the security no. checkpoint. So she must have bought that in the airport and just cracked it open and started drinking it. Yeah. I think she must. That's exactly what she did. You know, there's one of those like Il Volo or whatever that yes, wine bar I is. I love those places. Yeah. So she must have like been sitting down. She had poured herself a giant glass of wine. She bought a whole bottle for herself. She was traveling alone. And then looked up and went, wait, I have to be on a plane. And she. So no wonder the airport personnel are like, really? You were sitting there drinking an entire bottle of wine. Now you want me to open the the doors? <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never seen anything like it. And I had to take a picture. So I'll try to post a picture on the Facebook page. You can appreciate it. She came over. She sat in front of us. She was like huffing and puffing and texting and like just drawing a lot of attention to herself. And I was making eye contact with another woman. Just We were just shaking our heads. And then she got up and she stormed back to the counter and she just left the wine, the wine glass. <laughs> it was like a chilled bottle of wine. I really I was like, I have never... She ran like eight gates with that full bottle, full glass of wine in her hands. That's excellent. That's wow. excellent. So there you go. Yeah. That's, that's better than the guy in front of me at the TSA checkpoint on Friday who had four hats on. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in the pre-check line. So oh, these no. are the people that are already cleared and don't, you know, don't get the extra security. I'm like, hello, is anyone noticing the four hats on his head? <laughs> I mean, and I know people do that so their hats don't get crushed in their luggage. Like, I understand the strategy, but it's alarming when you see it. <laughs> but it's a lot. Four. four. I mean, I can see wearing, like, a cap and, you know, maybe two, but four seems like a lot. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Four. <laughs> four. This is what it's come to. Yep. Okay. Good reports from the airport sisters. Thanks. Well, I, I've just been home. I really, I, I've been home alone today, and it's it's already set in that yeah, the preparations for the end of Downton Abbey. Today's the day. Tonight's the night. I know. This is you the know, last. It's hard of- to accept that it's really just going to be over. Over. I'm having trouble accepting that. Like, yeah. But are really this is the they're not going to renew it again. Why wouldn't you just keep making it? <laughs> well, you you bliss. You probably are suffering. What I know, I am now suffering is Downton Abbey abandonment disorder or dad. <laughs> okay, that I have gone crazy for this show, and they don't care. That's basically <laughs> it. I mean, when you think about it, they're leaving us. I mean, we're not leaving them. I, no. I mean. No, I mean, I'm perfectly happy to continue to watch this show for decades. They could just keep it going. Like, they have little kids on the show. They could grow up and be adults in the show. I mean, I just, 
I almost don't understand it. I don't know. There is, so there is. Especially right. when they've just renewed NCIS for another two years. I mean, h- how many more dead Navy men could there possibly be? I don't understand. Well, there is this whole like disorientation. I mean, what are you going to do on Sunday nights? I mean, I know it's not on every Sunday night, but you come to expect it. And what is going to happen to Viking river cruises? <laughs> you hear about them? And that woman named Shirley that comes on at the beginning of Downton Abbey. Oh yeah. And tells you to, to make a donation to, uh, to, uh, to NPR and everything else, you know, what's going to happen to Shirley? What's she going to do? Okay. So I think dis- disorientation is part of it. I think there is some anger. Okay, uh-huh. I mean, what? What's? I, I'm like, what's up? Did they run out of costumes? <laughs> I mean, I we we as an audience for Downton Abbey, we have proven that we are perfectly content with slow moving storylines, with dumb storylines. <laughs> we stick with it, right? Yeah. I mean, they could just. Focus on Mosley, right? I don't know. No, if that, no I would uh, be no out. Way. I would still, well, you know you'd still watch it, okay? I mean, there's a sadness with this disorder because, I mean, you can watch uh, reruns of it, but you're never going to hear another zinger from the Dowager Countess. I know. That makes me sad. I hope yeah. they yeah. don't kill her. I hope, <laughs> hope she doesn't die tonight. I know. I know. She's I'm worried I about her. Well, at least, you know, on the bright side, we're getting rid of Anna and Bates. Or maybe Bates is getting rid of Anna. I don't know. But I'll be relieved to be done with them. Really? I I don't know. I think there's an isolation about it. Maybe other people are not reacting as strongly or they're coping better with it. Mm. Or, you know, there are other television shows on. I don't know why this one show has sort of struck a chord with so many people uh but it's it's really i mean this is i think a legitimate situation the downton abbey abandonment disorder (laughs) and uh i think but the support groups for this disorder are going to be really sad you know we're all just going to be sad there's going to be no i think you should all wear headbands in solidarity with edith just (laughs) wear a headband see if it makes you feel better Okay, here's what I'm going to suggest, because I felt the same, you know, death in the family when Lost ended and when Friday Night Lights ended. And so here's the opportunity you have, Julie. Now, it's not going to be immediate satisfaction or immediate grief relief, but four, five years from now, when Alice is older, you are going to be able to watch it again with Alice on Netflix. And you will enjoy that experience just as much. It will be like reliving the show again for the first time. Because I had that experience with Lost and my son and my son Brooks. When he watched it, it was like I had never seen the show again. I loved it. Now Colin is doing the entire X-Files series. It's like a whole new way to view the show. So in four or five years when Alice is older, you can introduce her to Downton Abbey. And she'll love that. And you can watch it with her. All right. Can you wait that long? <laughs> I think I'm making chicken stock today, sort of as my restorative <laughs> yeah. broth. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you what you were wearing tonight for the finale. 
No, I but I wear my bathrobe, Liz. That's yeah. what I wear every every time. Are you planning on wearing something uh, to commemorate the occasion? No, but I'm glad I'm getting home in time. Like my flight gets me home in time to then, yeah, regroup and be ready in front of the television. Yeah, because you do want to see it live, even though all you people on the East Coast who are listening to this will have already tweeted everything good that happens, and so you have to turn off if you're on the West Coast. You have to turn off all your social media by late afternoon noon really exactly uh, so that and, I, and I'm, I'm prepared to do that that's the key thing yeah and i already announced to my husband don't even try to get on board i'm watching it alone i'm watching it tonight by right. myself you need to be out of the room at 9 p.m do not yeah. i am not going to yeah. fill you don't in don't ask any questions yeah, i'm not going to fill you in on the last six seasons because you just are lying on the couch get up <laughs> <laughs> you know julie i think it's really all about if you want someone to blame it's just about those selfish British actors who just decide, you know, they're done with things and they like to move on career-wise, as opposed to the American actors who will do season 22 of CSI, you know? As opposed to Mark Harmon. If only yes. it starred Mark Harmon, it would be on forever. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, okay. any anything else? I know we got to get going, Liz. You have to catch a plane. Yeah, uh, I have a note I wanted to make on travel, as long as we're talking about planes, because I have, like, the month of March is going to be a crazy travel month for me. Um, next weekend, I'm going to Sydney, Australia. Uh, which okay. for, oh, just for the weekend. Okay, well, good work. Well, I'm going, here's the thing. You know, it's like the other side of the world. So, I leave on Saturday night, and you get there Monday morning. Right. right? Uh-huh. Then I'm working Monday and Tuesday. I'm flying home Wednesday afternoon, but you get home Wednesday morning. <laughs> so that, that's my schedule for that week. Then the following week, I'm doing the same thing, going to a similar meeting in London. Same thing, uh-huh. over and back in two days. So just to get back to our friend, satellite sister Carolyn, uh, she is a nurse case manager at an Air Force Base clinic. And so she was, she's very concerned about my health. She has emailed me about this in the past, and she talked to me about it last night when we met at the Muse conference. And she has recommended doTERRA essential oils, a mix called On Guard, which is lemon and peppermint. Have any, either of you guys ever tried this? Are we no, supposed to drink like it? Good, no, she said a few drops of each twice a day will help prevent colds and flus because she's a nurse case manager as a clinic. She has many sick patients dripping and smearing and sneezing fluids in her office every day. And she uses this and she never gets sick. So I think I'm going to give it a go. As she said, it couldn't hurt. Right. It sounds good, Liz. Lemon and peppermint. Those are a good combo and you'll smell good on the plane. Do it. Yeah. So the month of March is sort of my, I'll be the little Petri dish and uh, I'll try the on guard and then I will report back on my findings. You know, just to be clear, that flight to Australia is a 17 hour flight. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, but (laughs) it really is a long flight. It is really far away. People may think on the East coast, we're closer to Australia. Not really. I mean, it's a, (laughs) We're not really that much closer. It's a crazy long flight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, the one time I went there and there were such strong headwinds that we didn't even make it all the way there. We had to like stop in Fiji or something to refuel. Oh, yeah. I, I know that sounds crazy, but it's so far that happens <laughs> that you just 
You can't even get all the way there. Well, it's the longest flight, nonstop flight there is on the, the map in terms of actual flying time. Like L.A., Mel- L.A., Sydney, I believe, oh. is like the no, longest. No, you're incorrect. You're incorrect, Liam. It is, it is a flight from Houston to Abu Dhabi. Okay. It is oh. the longest. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, it used to be L.A., Sydney because I yeah. took it yeah. once and that's what they said. It's your 17 hours in the air. So, yeah. but now it's Houston to Abu Dhabi. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Liz, just bring yourself, just bring a full glass of wine when you check in. <laughs> I'll stop at that Vino Volo yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> and the four hats. I think four hats, four hats, your yoga pants and a full bottle of wine. You're, You're going to be able to spot me in airports from now on, Satellite Sisters, because that, that's going to be my new look. The yoga, wine, hats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. (laughs) We need to wrap it up here. Uh, All right, sisters, have a fantastic week. Thanks, Leanne. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.